0: give thanks to the Lord isn't it and that's what we're here to do today and not just today only but hopefully to cultivate a pattern a habit in our lives where we are grateful to God and express our gratitude to him year-round and as I mentioned in our invocation it seems like our natural bent is toward criticism and complaining and grumbling and I hope today I can challenge you a, a little bit different perspective and to find things for which to be grateful. The sermon is entitled, In All Things, and that preposition in is important. It doesn't say for all things, it says in all things. And I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 15 through 18. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Now listen to this. Um, threefold challenge that's connected. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Don't try to isolate any of those commands because they all are part and parcel of one another. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Maybe our problem is that we've tried to separate giving thanks from rejoicing and praying, and when we put that together with the other two, we'll find how much more easily giving thanks will come. Let's bow together. Father, as we approach Thanksgiving, make it more than just a day on the calendar. Help us cultivate that attitude in our hearts that lasts year long, and, and we begin to see things for the blessings they are, and find fewer and fewer things for which to complain. Be with us now as we study and reflect and hopefully transform our hearts toward a more positive, thankful lifestyle. In Jesus' name, amen. A 19th century English writer was an atheist. And one day she was walking outside and just enjoying all the glories of the beautiful fall morning and suddenly this atheist just burst out, oh, I'm so grateful. And her Christian friend replied, grateful to whom? If you stop and think about it, an atheist doesn't have anybody to be grateful to, do they? Because they don't believe there's a God. And yet when you look around, as George alluded to in his Offertory Prayer, if you look around and see the beauties of this creation, the glories with which God created it, surely there is a creator, and surely there is someone in heaven to whom to give thanks. Expressing gratitude to a great and mighty God is a rem- reminder of this national holiday. But Thanksgiving has got to be more than a holiday for a Christian believer. Thanksgiving has got to become a way of life it's got to be an attitude that you and I should always be working towards and developing and being challenged by scripture to incorporate into our lives it's an attitude of christian character 1st Thessalonians 5:18 give thanks in all circumstances some translations say for all things give thanks for this is the will of god in Christ Jesus for you this is god's will in Christ Jesus for you. Now let me say a few things from the start. We're in a series of commands by Jesus. I realize 1 Thessalonians is not Jesus, but this is a command from Paul. And as a command. It's in the present imperative active. Um, present meaning continuous action. Imperative meaning it is a command. It is something that you and I are commanded. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, something that's a hope for, but it is a command that Paul is giving us as a word from God, rejoice, imperative, give, uh, pray, imperative, give thanks, imperative. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, what does this mean? First of all, it means that you can find something to be thankful for in everything. And there's a big difference. I realize the preposition in and for. I realize you can't be thankful for everything, but I believe firmly that you can find something to be thankful for in everything, in all circumstances. In connection with everything that happens, we should be able to find something for which to give thanks. In in every circumstance, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what's happening, you can still thank God. You might not be thankful for a broken arm, for a broken arm, but in a broken arm, you might be able to thank God for the fact that it wasn't more seriously injured, Um, that that God is going to show you something about His miraculous power to heal, that it's going to slow you down and, and make you spend some time with Him. In everything, you can give thanks. Paul is speaking of a life that's marked by thanksgiving. I love the illustration by Matthew Henry, I think I use it every Thanksgiving, but he was a 16th century English preacher and commentator on the Bible, and he's got a multi-volume set, Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Bible, it's been condensed down into one volume, Um, preached for years. One day he was traveling to a speaking engagement, and he was robbed. That evening in his diary, this is what he wrote, and it's profound. I mean, could you find some things to be thankful for in being robbed? This is what Matthew Henry wrote. Let me be thankful, first of all, that though I was robbed today, I've never been robbed before. Secondly, that although they took my purse or my wallet, they did not take my life. Thirdly, I can be thankful because even though they took everything I had, it wasn't much, and fourthly, and this is the best one. God, I thank you that I was the one who was robbed and not I who robbed. Four things to be thankful for in being robbed that had never happened before, that they didn't take much, that they didn't take his life, and that he was not the one doing the robbing. Not everything that happens in our world is good. Let's just be honest. And some of you here today are, are having struggles and problems and difficulties and challenges. And that's, that's life. I mean, there is evil in this world and Satan still runs rampant in our world and bad things happen. But the good news is that God can still use even the worst of circumstances and redeem them somehow and bring something good from it. He uses everything that happens and works it for our good. We might not see it at the time. But one day, looking back in retrospect, we'll be able to say, Oh, God, I see now. I didn't understand at the time, but now I understand how you protected me and spared me that difficulty. That was not your perfect will for my life. And, and I thank you, God, that you had me doing what I'm doing now and where I'm going and surrounding me with the people that I love and that love me. You've provided for me once again, God. Thank you. In everything, we can find something for which to be thankful. You just got to find the right perspective. Because honestly, our perspective, you see a big white sheet of paper and there's a little black dot on it. What are you going to look at? You're going to look at the little black dot. You're going to focus on what's wrong. You're going to focus on the problem when there's so much more that's right. And when we rejoice and pray and give thanks, it moves our focus and our attention from the few small things that might be problematic and it moves them toward all this right and all that we have For which to be grateful You just got to find the right perspective Two ladies were back at a college reunion Coming back for homecoming and their conversation Upon being reacquainted with something like this The first lady said to her friend. Well, I've gotten married since we last met And the second lady said oh, that's good The first lady said, I don't know about that. My husband's twice as old as I am. The lady said, Well, that's bad. The lady said, Well, I don't know about that. He's really wealthy. And the second lady said, Well, that's good. And the first lady said, Well, I don't know about that. He won't give me a cent. And the second lady said, Well, that's bad. And she said, Well, I don't know about that. He built me an expensive house. And the lady said, Well, that's good. And the first lady said, well, I don't know about that. The house burned down last week. And the second lady said, oh, that's bad. And the first lady said, well, I don't know about that. He was in it. (laughs) Susan really laughed at that. I'm taking out more insurance right now. Sometimes when looking at at an incident, in the middle of it it's hard to tell if it's good or bad it's hard to know what to do but you can be sure and you can be thankful that god is going to work something good out of it he is and you can you just might not be able to see it yet but god is working and i challenge you i challenge you this week not just this week but to begin to cultivate the attitude when something unfortunate happens, when something, when a problem arises, when circumstances that don't come about the way you want them to, I challenge you to sit down like Matthew Henry and start writing down things for which you can be thankful. And I believe the more you do that and the more you work at it, the easier it's going to become. And the more quickly you can see all that you have for which to be grateful. All the blessings that God has given us, and take the focus on those minor challenges that you might have. Now when things are going well, it's easy to be grateful, but it's when those problems come, and I don't mean to minimize the problems, because they may be serious illness, it might be the loss of a loved one, it might be the loss of a job, it might be, you know, something that's really traumatic and drastic. But I believe that God can still work something good from it. And I believe if you try hard enough, you can begin cultivating an attitude of thanksgiving, even for the most difficult of situations. Thanksgiving is connected, and I've learned this week in this verse, it's connected to prayer. If you're not able to be thankful enough, maybe you're not praying enough. Because the more you pray, the more fellowship you have with the Father. And the more fellowship you have, the easier it is to see all that you have for which to be grateful. Thanksgiving is a natural response to the grace and goodness of a wonderful God who cares and provides. And it comes out of the life of the Christian who's in fellowship with the Father. Let me give you some verses from Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in the one body and be thankful. Verse 17, Colossians 3. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving. do You see how connected prayer and thanksgiving are in Paul's writings? He ties thanksgiving and prayer just as he does in Thessalonians. Overflowing gratitude springs out of a life of continuous ceaseless prayer and the more you pray the more grateful you become and the more grateful you become the more you're going to spend time in fellowship with the Father in prayer. Thanksgiving is a natural overflow of the Christian's prayer life. How can you presume to pray without first pausing to give thanks for all God has done? Usually when we pray, we're just asking. But if you start off praying rejoicing and giving thanks, it'll transform your prayer life. It'll transform your perspective on life. It'll transform your attitude of thanksgiving. We must pray thanks. And we, almost, we also must live thanks. Because so often what we say and what we do contradict each other. A father was asking the blessing as was his custom at breakfast, thanking God for the bountiful provision and the food that was laid before him. And immediately after he prayed the blessing, he began to complain about the coffee not being hot enough, and the bacon not being done, and the eggs were burned, and his daughter was listening to all this, and afterwards, she said, Daddy, do you think God heard what you said when you said the blessing a little while ago? He said, oh, yes, honey, I'm sure he heard the blessing, and then she asked, well, did he also hear what you had to say about the bacon and eggs and coffee? And the father, not quite so confidently, said, yes, I guess he did. The little girl said, well then, which one do you think did he believe? Because when what we say and what we do contradict each other, which one is God supposed to believe? What naturally abounds in your life? Is it an approach toward grumbling or is it an approach toward gratitude? Is your thanksgiving, your prayers of thanksgiving, consistent with a lifestyle of thanksgiving? Or do they contradict each other? And if they contradict, if your profession is one thing and your practice is another, which one is God supposed to believe? I'll tell you what people believe. People will believe your practice, they'll believe your actions a lot more quickly than they will your words. So we need to be careful. And if you want to know, if you're having trouble struggling with happiness in life, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. And this is the last point this morning. The secret to happiness in life is your perspective on life. The key to contentment and wholeness in life is learning how to express gratitude. Not complaining, not criticizing, not grumbling. For many people, their first response in every situation is to analyze it and tell you what's wrong with it and why it won't work and to criticize it and to grumble and that's the first indication of an ungrateful heart if God uses everything and works it together for good then why can't we be grateful how can we not be thankful when trials come and God doesn't always deliver us from those trials and temptations Maybe he's using those to work us towards spiritual maturity. How can you not count it all joy as Paul did even with his his trials and his struggles? And when Paul counted it all joy, sitting in a jail cell in Rome, he was able to write to the Philippians and rejoice and give thanks without ceasing. Paul said, being thankful with rejoicing and praying without ceasing is God's will for our lives. And every Sunday, I'm going to remind you of this, when God commands us to do something, He's got a good reason for it. Because God, who knows you, who loves you, who put you together, wants more than anything else in this world to have a relationship with you and for you to be happy and fulfilled and have the abundant life that comes from that relationship. So when God tells you to do something, He's doing it for your own good. He's fulfilling you. He's telling you what you need to do to experience the abundant life. When God commands you not to do something, it's because he knows what the consequences down the road are going to be. And that sin, that thing that he tells you not to do, might look appealing. But let me tell you, there's a hook in that bait. There's a barb, and it's going to pull you down, and God sees that. And so that's why he's warning you not to do this. He's commanding it. And instead, he's commanding you to do this. Just as here, Paul says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all things. Not for all things, but in all things. And when you do that, when you rejoice and pray and give thanks, your whole perspective, your outlook on life will be transformed. Have you you seen people who have a a pleasant countenance and a smile on their face? Do you think that's because everything is right, everything is perfect in their life? Of course not. It's because there is an inner joy and an abundance of life that they have learned to see God's hand, and their faith and trust in Him has made that possible. There are other people that I've seen that I try to stay away from, honestly, because they have a permanent scowl and a frown, And something is always wrong. There's always a problem. They're never happy. And my heart goes out to them because you can tell from their their countenance, their outward manifestation, that it's just a sad life. And it doesn't have to be that way. No matter what you're going through, you can still rejoice and pray and give thanks an immigrant moved through Ellis Island, came to New York and opened a shop. He had a son who was always complaining. His son went off to college and became a CPA and came back to school and said, Dad, I've looked at your books and I just don't see how you run the store. You keep accounts payable in a cigar box. You keep accounts receivable on a spindle. All your cash is in the register and you don't even know what your profits are. And the father said, son, let me tell you something. When I came to this land, all I owned was the pair of pants that I was wearing. Now your sister's an art teacher. Your brother's a doctor. You're a CPA. Your mother and I own a house and a car and this little store. So you add all those things up and you subtract the pants and that's my prophet. He had a grateful heart and he lived a thankful life. It just depends on your perspective. He's a good example for all of us to follow. Think about that guys. What have you started out with? What do you have now? Take all that you have now and subtract what you started out with There's your prophet. There's something to be thankful for right now. Martin Rinkart wrote one of our most popular Thanksgiving hymns, and you think when somebody writes a Thanksgiving hymn that it's the best of times. It was not so. Martin Rinkart was a pastor in Germany during the Thirty Years' War. In the village in which he pastored, was invaded and sacked three times. Almost everything of value destroyed. Most of his congregation killed to the point where Ringcart was conducting, listen, 30 to 40 funerals a day. 30 to 40 funerals every day. He looked death and destruction squarely in the face, and he spent some time with God seeking, seeking some answers. And when he rose from his prayer, he had his answer from God. Nothing had changed. The situation was still dire, but he had learned how to praise God with a thankful heart. And he wrote in your hymnal number 638, Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things have done, in whom his world rejoices. How can you write that between 30 to 40 funerals a day, between your village that has been destroyed by war, most of your congregation killed? The only way I know how how Martin Rinkhart could have done that is because he had developed rejoicing and praying and giving thanks in every circumstance. And I think you and I can do that, too. I don't know, you might be going home this afternoon and thinking, well, that wasn't much of a sermon. I challenge you to find something good about the sermon to be thankful for. That might be the challenge for today. Maybe um, something doesn't go right this week. I don't know, the turkey gets burned, somebody's car has, has trouble traveling home, um, an unexpected bill arises. What can you be thankful for in that? And if you can start cultivating that when times are tough, they'll just flow. And your life, your perspective, your attitude, and your outlook will be much more positive There'll be a pleasant countenance on your face because it will reflect an attitude of thanksgiving in your heart. Let's bow together. Father, I don't know what this week is going to hold. Undoubtedly, everything won't be perfect, and we might have some problems to overcome. And our natural inclination will be to look at what's wrong and whine and complain. Father, will you start twisting us and bending us toward all that's good and all that's right and all the blessings that you have poured out upon us. And help us, Lord, to begin to see the good that you can do in every circumstance in all things and teach us gratitude and not just a gratitude that comes one day a year but a a lifestyle gratitude that helps us through the difficult times that are going to come and that leans us into you and toward the abundant life that you desire for us to have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.